Welcome back for the last time this year. And it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the Call Me By Your Game. Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. It's I, your host, your skipper, your manager, who almost for whatever reason broke into a pirate accent, which would really only pertain to talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates here. It's me, Connor McKay, back for our final Call Me By Your Ball Game episode of the year here on the Call Me By Your Game podcast. This is the once a month episode where over the summer I cover four baseball games, uh, just deciding to highlight ones that uh, that myself and our guests have experiences with or that are notable. Uh, and folks, we've got a great episode coming up for you today. Normally on the show though, I have one person on to hear from them about a meaningful video game from a particular moment in their life. And this isn't gonna be, gonna differ too much from that, but um, as opposed to giving our guests just full reign of bringing on whatever they wanted to talk about, we threw out some options and we got a great episode for you. Um, A little bit of housekeeping up top uh, is that if you are looking forward to our next top 10 favorite video games of all time episode, where I have past guests on the show to list their top 10 favorite games, uh, that is coming out November 1st. So keep an eye out for that release. A little bit more up top is that anything that my guest or I plug today on the podcast, you can find easily in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. So if you want to follow us somewhere or follow a link that we've got for you, scroll down, click it. it. It should be very easy for you. Speaking of which, we're all over social media on this podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky, uh, and there you can find out what great episodes we have coming out each week. You can learn about our wonderful guests and how you can support them, what they're up to, and also see the cool art that I make for every gosh darn episode. You can also support the show a few different ways. You can leave us a rating and review wherever you get podcasts, uh, and uh, we ask for that because that helps more people find us and more people like yourself enjoy this podcast. Uh, So if you leave a review, feel free to let us know what you love about the show, maybe even your favorite episode or favorite guest that you had. Uh, If you leave that on Apple Podcasts, I can see those. They list those publicly, so I'll read it on the show uh, to give you a little shout-out and a thank you, uh, dear listener. If you leave it somewhere else, like Spotify, Google, Xbox, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, send that to me. I'd love to read it. I just I can't find those publicly, so I need you to send them if you'd like it right on the show. You can also support us by sharing the show with a friend, uh, checking out the Discord that we have a link to for our entire podcast network here. There's a link there if you want to have friendly, wonderful conversations with some nice people about video games or really anything. And lastly, you can check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where if you support us, you know, on a once a month or our monthly basis, you get bonus video game podcasts from myself and the lovely creators of this network, including our current Sonic Adventure Games Club, where we're going through that crazy game from 1999 with the fine tooth comb over 12 weeks. Uh, and boy, it's been an absolute uh, adventure. We're finishing that up right now. And we're about to have uh, a, a, an election, a poll for our next games club. By the time you listen to this episode, that poll is going to be up. We haven't confirmed the games that we're giving you the option to vote on, but it's going to be there. So again, patreon.com slash super NPC radio. If you like us and you want more uh, podcasts from us, check us out there. That'll do it for the housekeeping. And I'll finally introduce our guest for today's episode, 
Starting pitcher. Oh boy, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm I prepped prepped him. Got my bullpen coach ready to get this fireballer out here. Please welcome back to the show, comedian, husband, and hot guy Greg Smith. Thank you for putting me in, Coach. Uh, I do just want to say, not unlike my personal pitching hero, Joel Zumaya of the 2007-2008 Detroit Tigers, Whoa. I did recently play a lot of Guitar Hero, and so my fastball <laughs> is pretty much shot. <laughs> Curveball doesn't have much bite to it. I can pretty much only give you what I might call a half-speed knuckle today. Okay. I hope that gets us through it. I just want to be transparent from the jump. Hey, you know what? We're going to take what we have. It's the final game of the season. I mean, we're really just here for fun anyway. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to do the job, buddy. Thanks, coach. You're welcome. Also, is that, did Joel Zemaya injure himself by playing Guitar Hero? Yeah, that was mostly just a real (laughs) deep uh, mid-2000s Detroit Tigers lineup joke. Joel Zemaya did, in fact, injure himself, and he was unable to pitch for a while because... He played too much Guitar Hero. Oh, my a gosh. Hero, a relatable hero, a king among us, Joel, 105-mile-an-hour Zumaya, one of my faves. Absolutely. I remember he was a f- part of that fireballing bullpen with uh, – because he, he was a relief pitcher, right? Yep. Uh, him, Fernando Rodney. Yep. Uh, they had a bunch of great arms in that pen. Uh, if we were to speculate here on how he injured himself, do you think it was like holding the buttons up here? Was it – the strumming too hard that could have done it. I'm I'm trying I don't remember, to think. I don't remember what hand he was offhand. I think he was a righty. Yeah, I guess if he's a righty, yeah, the strumming sort of does, if you do it improperly or do it too much, strain the wrist a little bit. Yeah. Maybe he was going crazy on that uh, that whammy bar. Maybe that's what it was. And the thing about the whammy bar, it's a common mistake. It's it's more about effect rather than like something you consistently want to do. You don't want yes. every note to go wah. Yeah. You got to deploy it sparingly. Not I, unlike uh, Jim Leland should deploy Jules Amaya sparingly. Man, we are just bringing us back to, to a, sure, a fun age of Detroit Tigers <laughs> baseball. Uh, Greg... I'm so happy to have you back uh, uh, at long last. It, like we were talking before the show, it's been a few years since you've been on the podcast. You first came on to discuss Streets of Rage. I yeah. should have the episode in front of me, but it's something like episode 14 or 15. You were We recorded that in person. That's how long ago we did. that was. We even we played did. some Streets of Rage like because we used to play the game that we talk about before the podcast. So you, you, you've... You know, you've been around with us for a while, and then we also had you back on a Call Me By Your Ball Game episode uh, in 2020 about Super Mega Baseball 3, which we actually released earlier this year as uh, just on the free feed. And yeah. Did you, we, we had talked a little bit, maybe, the, maybe you know, I'm going to save that question for a second. I was going to ask you about a game you may have been playing. Um, what a wonderful uh, tease. You know, ex- I love to tease him out just a little bit, just the right amount. Um, but it's so good to have you back. We know each other through the Los Angeles improv community, but before we get into, you know, anything video game related we want to discuss outside of the main event today, which I don't think I've even said, folks, we're talking about the bigs. Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. We're talking about the first bigs game, uh, released in 2007. It's going to be a blast. Um, but Greg, 
what do you want the listener to know about yourself? What have you been up to? Uh, give us the information that you think we deserve. That I think you deserve. <laughs> or wow. should have. Whatever. What's the more sort of like I have to make a moral kind of judgment on your listener yeah, base? Yeah, I'm is asking it mostly, you to judge us. Is it still mostly like incels and proud boys that listen to your podcast? Yeah, in that fact, kinda, uh, the mm-hmm. only have grown in number. Oh, great. Good, 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 yeah. good. good. Um, well, you introduced me as a husband. I'm recently wed. Congratulations. Which was so fun and wonderful. Thank you so much. And in my newlywed state, I've been making a lot of like dumb musical comedy bits online yes. that, you can, that you can watch on TikTok or Instagram at Smith L. Greg. Um, I've been writing for a UCB mod team, which you can come see at the Los Angeles UCB Franklin Theater the third Wednesday of every month at 8.30 p.m. I've been hosting a musical improv show with many of my good friends at the Clubhouse. That's the first Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. at the Clubhouse. Um, Do you host that show with Dear Andrew Young, or is this a different show? I do host that show with Dear Andrew Young. What a sweetie pie. Former guest of the show, of course. Indeed. Um, is there anything else? I have a dog who's been barking a lot today, so if you hear a bark, it's her. She's just really excited about our Fernando Rodney references. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's all the news that's fit to print right now. I love it. Um, a lot of exciting stuff, too. Congrats again. I know it's been a little, like, several months at this point, but congrats again on uh, uh, becoming a mod writer. Uh, oh, thank you, you. You've been all over that theater uh, with your. I was thinking about you the other day uh, as my voice cracks because that's how it, that's what happens when I think about Greg Smith. I get Aww. emotional, uh, and just how uh, how talented you are in so many ways. Oh, um, like I think about uh, like myself, and I'm like, oh, I'm proficient at a lot of things. But when I think of someone like you and 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 many of our friends in the you know improv community out here. Like you're not only a great improviser, but you're also an incredible musician and many, many other things. So, uh, so congrats on that was just an extended compliment, I guess, is what that was. Um, That's very kind of you to say. Thank you so much. It's hey. um, I often have moments that stop me in my tracks where I'm like standing around a bunch of people in our community, yourself included, um, and I'm just like. We are surrounded by the most talented and the kindest, silliest, most respectful folks you can imagine. It's a really, you know, it's a blessed dang life we have cultivated for ourselves. It, it really is. It, it, I'm sure this has come up on the show before in some form or fashion, but it almost feels like we got a second chance at like a college community, but one that we, for the most part, got to choose. Um, and it's, yeah, I I think I can take for granted sometimes, uh, how lovely it is that we've just been connected with so many great people. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just to your point, it's just wonderful and we're freaking lucky out here. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite thing about living here in Los Angeles, California, within all of these specific sub levels of inception-esque layers of like comedians who play video games who like baseball it's just you find you think that you're alone in these weird hyper specific passions you have and then you find in our communities nope there's like 
at least two to five other people yes. who exactly share that Venn diagram with you. And it's very fulfilling. Yes, I, I'm, I couldn't agree more. And which is why, like, I, I reached out to you because I was like, who haven't I had on this series in a while? And I was like, Greg Smith, of course. And I was like, I know you're going to have at least one option for me. And when I reached out asking if there was another game from your past uh, baseball-wise that you wanted to discuss, I think you gave me like seven or eight options. Yeah, I think I did, yeah. Um, We can shout any of those out on the show too whenever you want. Um, Sure. I know we talked about... um, the Mario Baseball series, yes, um, which we which we have covered in the last couple of years. We did Wii this year, uh, Superstar. I think it's just Superstar Baseball is the GameCube game. Uh, I think that's yeah, the, that the sounds titles right. Are similar, mm-hmm. um, but we did that one last year. We've covered uh, the Backyard Baseball series, a number of those games. Uh, of course, the Super Mega series and, and Super Mega Baseball three, but uh, so many. Um, was there? Before we get into your, uh, uh, you're just like what you've been playing recently. Uh, is there another one on the list that we didn't pick that you would like to give a little shout out to? And maybe off the top of your head, it's going to be hard, but I want to give you the chance. Yeah, I would definitely want to shout out. Um, I believe the title is Super Baseball Simulator. 1000 wow but like 1.000 like a batting average for the super nintendo (laughs) this was a game my older brother slash best man gordon and i played all the dang time growing up i think there is a direct line from that game to the bigs and sort of generally to the kind of arcade style sports games that i love so much because there are wild power-ups in it on both Mm -hmm. like the batting and the hitting side um, the music for it will be forever lodged into my dang brain. It's really catchy and fun. And the funniest thing I remember about that game, um, normally in the game of baseball, you swing once, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of a classic part of <laughs> the rules. When you're playing Super Baseball Simulator 1000, the moment the ball leaves the um, the pitcher's hand, and it's sort of like a top-down almost like old school Legend of Zelda looking kind of thing. Yeah. Your batter can swing as many times as they want. Because <laughs> the ball kind of moves a little slower mm-hmm. than usual, usually because there's some kind of crazy power up about to happen. And so you can like move back and forth and sort of like uh, trial by error, eke yeah. yourself out at least a base hit, <laughs> which I think we should do in real baseball. I think that'd be really funny to watch. Gosh, if we could only add an element to slow down the ball like that, that would be mm-hmm. fun. It, the motion you were doing for the listener who's listening to the audio version, uh, it, it sort of like looked like you were sword fighting almost. <laughs> and we do, I think we could use more of that in baseball. Speaking of way, I'll marry the two here. Uh, no one's asking for this, but it reminds me of a great baseball scene in the movie Hook. And I bet my bottom dollar you've seen that. Oh, I've I've seen Hook a lot of times. I remember a skateboarding scene. Yes. I don't I'm not recalling baseball. Oh boy. So yeah, there's the skateboarding scene. I think it's when Peter's like introduced to the Lost Boys and like that's how you know they're rambunctious is because they're teenagers who skate. Uh yes. But the, oh man, there's a really it's like a huge point in Peter's emotional arc where he his kids have so the premise of the movie, as many people probably know, is his children. As Peter has grown up, uh, his children 
have been kidnapped by Captain Hook because Captain Hook wants Peter Pan back. He needs his nemesis, uh, very much like a Batman and uh, and the Joker type of thing, how they need each other. Um, anyway, uh, Peter's son, is his favorite thing is baseball. He misses his baseball game at the beginning of the movie, but when they're on... When they're in Neverland, Hook basically sets up a baseball game for Jack, and for Peter's son, and he, like, hits a home run, and it's this amazing celebration, and Hook and him are celebrating, like, father and son, and it's really devastating, um, but uh, I don't know. I probably could have just sent you the YouTube link anyway. That would have been fine. <laughs> Well, um, it's a class. That's such a classic kind of '90s family conflict, right? It's yes. the, and especially with Steven Spielberg, who does that in all of his movies. It's like the daddy issues heightened to the extreme. Yes, and usually, I, I feel like it is often just, "What if my dad was an absent father?" That's kind of the sadness they're exploring. But in this case, it's also. What if my dad was an absent fa- father and they found a new dad? And the new dad is an evil pirate. (laughs) So they're like really doubling down. You know what? That makes me almost wish I would have done that pirate accent at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) Because we've kind of come full circle at this point. Uh, Here's uh, my question. How does Neverland, which to my understanding is a sort of magical, far off. Where do they learn the rules of baseball? How does baseball get to them? I'm pretty sure... I don't know if it's like explicitly explained, but the I want to say it's implied that Jack has taught the pirates how to play baseball while he's been there. I mean, um, I think that is yeah. good subtext to assign. To yes, Hook. I think that's what it is. Uh, gosh, that's so funny, and I want to watch that again. Um, <laughs> well, that so Super Baseball Simulator One Thousand, you said, was the game uh, in original Nintendo. Uh, Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Hence great. the Super. Oh, I've got to look that up. That sounds fantastic. Uh, Full disclosure for you and the listener, I don't know if I'm going to bring this series back for another summer because I've – and maybe, hey, maybe talking to you will actually change my mind. I feel like I've just sort of run out of like semi-interesting baseball games. You know, it's not for sure, but I've considered pivoting to like a football series or a basketball, but – Anyway, that that's one that I'll I might have to have you back to talk about if we do it. Um, well, uh, before we do talk about the bigs a little later, Greg, I want to know. It's been a while since I've talked to you about video games. What have you been playing? Has there been anything in the last like year or even two, video game wise, that you want to just gab about? I mean, a plenty. There's so many right now. As my kind of wedding gift to myself, I pre-ordered when it was originally announced the new Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 1, Mm. which I have been having so much fun plowing through story mode in right now. Um, Are you you an MK head? I'm not, but I have dabbled with them. I I even played 11 with some friends before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you playing this on the PS5? I am. Very cool. Not the, Have you seen the Switch version stuff? I have. It's really <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah. It's really rough. But yeah, Mortal Kombat 1 has been really fun. It's a really streamlined, kind of like tighter feeling game, especially even in the fighting itself. It feels like kind of a back to basics, back to the essence sort of thing, which I'm really enjoying. And story-wise... Um, you know, I 
I've realized that I love Mortal Kombat so much that there are a lot of story things they get away with that I'm like, I don't care what you do. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, which, you know, often it gets very up its own butt and very complicated and sort of clunky exposition and yes. nothing else. In this new one, because the reason it's called Mortal Kombat 1 is because in 11 which was a sort of time travel multiverse mayhem kind of thing. Liu Kang has reset the timeline. Yes. So you're sort of starting from square one, like an alternate history square one, where you are seeing Raiden just as a humble farmer before he was the Lord of Thunder. And uh, uh, Sindel, the Empress of Outworld, is like friendly and sort of chummy with Liu Kang. (laughs) And every single time they do one of these dumb fan service things where like Kung Lao sees a razor blade and you see him look at it and look at his own hat and he goes like, interesting. (laughs) I'm like fist pumping in my chair, (laughs) screaming my roof off. Whereas, you know, like when they did that in the Han Solo movie, I thought it was so corny and dumb. But yeah, Mortal Kombat just it just has me wrapped around its little finger. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, I And that just came out within the last week, I want to say? Yeah, last week it did. I wow. When they announced the pre-order, you know, a few months ago or whatever, I clocked that it came out, like, a week after I got married. And it was, it just sort of felt like the perfect kind of come down. Yes. Uh, hey, nothing like unwinding post, post-wedding post uh, with a little MK. Uh, yeah. Do you have like a main traditionally in the series slash who you've been playing with in this game. Well, what I love about the modern Mortal Kombat story modes is that you are sort of forced to play as different characters throughout. Oh, like you'll do a chunk of the story as Johnny Cage. You'll do a chunk as um, Reptile, you know. But I'm learning in this one, I really enjoyed playing with Raiden. I've always liked Raiden, but something about the way they've kind of again streamlined his move set this go around is really feeling yeah. good um scorpion has been my main since the very first one i just love that guy to pieces um there's a new character at least one less familiar to me who you know most of these characters kind of have mystical special powers this guy's power is just he beats the crap out of you really good <laughs> Like, he's just really good at punching. Yeah. And I am blanking on his name, but he kind of looks like he would be the lead singer for a sort of satanic glam metal band. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Uh, everyone listening to this, scream out who it is, and I will feel... I'm, I'm feeling bad in the moment for misremembering his name, but yeah. Uh, I love that, though. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I had sort of skipped over something i mean you were that would have been better for me to attack at the moment or or dive into and i want to dive into it now which is there is something to what you were saying to like mortal Kombat. oh not getting maybe getting a pass is a little bit of i don't know if that's how i want to say it but i know what uh, you mean yeah but it's sort of like we suspend of course you're always suspending disbelief with stuff like this with this sort of style and and um you know fantasy all that jazz uh but i feel like i do the same with mortal Kombat as well and it's almost like not the crappier that it is the more that i'm like yeah it's fine but i it's almost like i 
I maybe don't take it super seriously, so I have more fun with it when it does get a little crazy like you're talking about. Yeah, I think the C word that comes to mind for me is campy, campy. rather than crappy. Yes. And I think that, you know, the necessary ingredient for camp is for the art itself to take itself deadly seriously. Yes. Um, and I think Mortal Kombat is really good at that. Um, Johnny Cage, you know, he's sort of the eternal comic relief. And in this one especially, again, it's the kind of thing they give him like corny modern jokes. Like he'll witness some demon and he'll go like, oh, fake news. And like if any other thing did that, I would be like, this sucks. But here I'm like, hell yeah, Johnny Cage. Yes. There's just something about it that really... Puts me back in touch with my inner 14-year-old. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the genre of fantasy, which historically I am not a big fan of. Gotcha. I know it, it might be a hot take, but like Lord of the Rings kind of has never done it for me. I couldn't get into Game of Thrones. But Mortal Kombat is a fantasy series. Yeah. There's, there's crazy realms and mystical mythologies and lots of arcane lore to get lost in but i really think it's as simple as it is crossed with another genre that i maybe more traditionally love the martial arts action genre yes and i think because it crosses these two things together which is an inherently very neat and uh, uh invigorating trick to pull off Maybe that gives itself a lot of rope to get away with whatever wackadoo storytelling it wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's definitely something to that. I feel like I experience that in my own like tastes and interests of like a a sort of combination of unexpected uh, elements, including some that I may not even traditionally like, uh, can change that. Uh, the, the last question I have for you about Mortal Kombat is. Um, have you seen uh, both the 19... I think it's 1995 film? It is. Thank you. 1995. And did you see the most recent one as well? Connor, I'm glad you brought this up. If, <laughs> if anyone knows me intimately, they know one thing about me, and that is that 1995's Mortal Kombat, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, is maybe my favorite movie ever made. It's at the very least a top 10 for me, top five. Uh, My bachelor party was Mortal Kombat themed. Amazing. And as part of the festivities, we watched that original film and I did like live MST3K commentary over it, (laughs) which was so much fun. I love that movie so much. I watched it as a kid 8 million times on VHS. I think that it has such a neat screenplay I think its story structure is really clean and efficient and sharp. And I'd be willing to bet watching that movie so many times is is not a small part of why I moved to Los Angeles to pursue entertainment. Um, The fights, I think, really slap to this day. You can tell that they're all really adept martial artists that they cast. Um, It's so fun and funny and all of the elements that you know, are cheesy or campy are so endearingly so in a way that just like tickles me. Yeah. And then you compare that to the 2021 Mortal Kombat motion picture, um, 
which its first flaw is that there literally isn't a Mortal Kombat in it, (laughs) which is pretty wild. But that movie, I think, is a huge miscalculation, kind of on every front. It introduces a new character, which kind of short shifts all the other characters that they still want to shove in for this fan service of it all. But then they don't have the depth that they have in the first film. Um, The fighting in it is shot and edited, um, you know, incompetently is the Mm. word I want to say. It's so quick and kind of chaotic. You can't really get a grasp on who's doing what to whom. It's all shot in these like low lit, dark, maybe part of this was uh, uh, COVID related, but these sort of... Um, self-contained, ugly vacuums, whereas the original are on these like beautiful locations and sets. Eh. Scorpion in the new movie is really good. He's played mm-hmm. by this actor called Hiroyuki Sanada, who is one of the best, you know, actors kind of that we have working today, and he has been since the eighties and nineties. Um, he imbues Scorpion with some depth, but man, huge misfire. Um, I, I'm so like, just excited that there was, you had so much ready to go about both of those. Don't, don't get me started. (laughs) I love this. Uh, I, this is, this is a plug for, for a different podcast I've done before, but I'm, I'd be willing to bet, you know, Leonard Smith Jr. or Quinn boys, but they host a great podcast. Yes, they do. Have you been on film versus film? Do you know this podcast? No, I know of it, but I haven't been on it. Oh my gosh, we gotta we gotta connect you. We gotta make these <laughs> get this Hollywood networking uh, muscle working. Uh, but I went on that show two years ago, and we we uh, compared or I picked between the that Mortal Kombat nineteen ninety five and Goldeneye, and I picked Mortal Kombat um, for a Ooh. lot of the reasons you named, specifically because I think I I couldn't. I adored the campiness of it and how endearing that was. You put it in great terms. And then when the new Mortal Kombat came out, there was also the latest James Bond film, uh, No Time to Die. Yeah, No Time to Die. But on that time, I actually ended up liking No Time to Die better. Um, Yeah, that's a a really good movie, I think. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, Watched watched both of those when I had, like, the flu, but uh, it was still great. Um, Anyway... I was just curious because I've thought about the 1995 film so much recently in the last like two years. Um, but thank you for letting me bug you a little bit about that. Um, before we, you know, go to break, I just wanted to give you another chance. Is there anything else recently video game related that you've been playing that you're like, oh, I got to shout this out before we scoot? I mean, just because it's been a minute, maybe I can like rapid fire a few that have really captured me. By all means, take your time um, too. The sequel to the game I was on last time to talk about Super Mega Baseball of 4 course. is out right now, and it's uh, just as addictive, just as fun. Mm. They bring in kind of like classic MLB legends, so there are actual MLB players in it. You know, I remember the first time I played, I think I texted you that I hit a two-run homer off Babe Ruth <laughs> Yes, <laughs> with like David Ortiz or something, and I was like, yeah, it's the best game ever. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, I also got, I fell hard in love with Slay the Spire over the past couple years. Oh boy, that has gotten a lot of love on this show. Yeah, man. They put it for free on PlayStation Plus and I 
my now wife, uh, at the time I was playing it, she likened it to watching sort of a monk meditate whenever she came <laughs> in, and I was just sitting silently locked in. And I kind of gave myself a rule because the the thrill of that game isn't beating it. It's trying to beat it. Mm -hmm. So I gave myself the sort of rule that the moment I actually slay the spire, I'm deleting it from my system and never playing it again. Wow. And the day I did beat it, I like screamed and yelled (laughs) and made my wife Annabelle rush in. And then I did delete it and I haven't played it since. It was a very like... There was something very beautiful about doing that, mm-hmm. the sort of self-imposed finality of this game that could be played forever. Yes, um, truly. The last one I'll shout out um, is called Inscription. Mm. You play Inscription ever? I have not, but I am aware of it. Mm-hmm. No, but I will also say, I'm thankfully, I don't, I know there's like, I don't even want to say too much. I don't I don't know too much about the game and I'm happy about that cuz I'd like to yeah. dive in at some point. What do you, what do you think? Inscription crypts being spelled like tales from the crypt. Inscription is the kind of game that you should know not much about. It starts, you know, it, it, it is a roguelike deck building game like Slay the Spire. Um but it goes on a lot of storytelling shifts and turns and very meta-textual sort of form-breaking moves. Mm. It's a really kind of disquieting, scary game to play, but it's also really darkly funny. It, um, it is a wild ride, and I highly recommend people play it and don't read anything about the plot. Just let it like wallop you. Gosh, I'm literally because I've been thinking about this game for a while. I'm just gonna take a little a little peek on Steam here as I as we're talking. Uh, it's sort of like only twenty dollars. I think it's worth it. That's going on the wish list at the very least. I think uh, so. Ooh, uh, well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to not only catch us up to speed on how you've been doing in your life, Sue dive into your connection to the Mortal Kombat series, but also hear a little bit about what you've been playing over the last year or so. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll finally get into our discussion about the bigs. So I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Of course, folks, you already know, this is the final Call Me By Your Ball Game episode of the summer, where, you know, I mean, as we're into September already, I discuss a baseball game with a wonderful guest or two. Today, we're back with Greg Smith. Hey there, pal. Hi. During the break, I looked up the Mortal Kombat 1 character whose name I am tragically forgot. His name is Raiko. Shout out to Raiko. Raiko. Um, that character, is that the character who, like, has his own life going on and then, like, gets, like, sort of dragged into the universe? In the game, in this, at least in this new timeline of the game, he's from the jump, one of General Shao Kahn's, like, right-hand men. He's, like, 
he's like ready to knock heads to overturn Outworld's tenuous uh, uh, diplomacy yes. for the sake of power and leadership. And this is – this. I'm remembering – I think I was remembering something else you were talking about. This is the character who is really good at punching and stuff. Yeah, his yes. main power is he's good at fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. he has been just dragged into the right world for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like we've talked about, we are today discussing the bigs. Um, and I'm going to do a little table setting for us. And if there's, you know, any like additional bullet points or pieces of info, Greg, that you want to include before we talk about our personal histories and just our, our full chat about the game, the floor is open. Otherwise, I'm just going to just monologue for a second. Uh, the Bigs is an arcade style baseball video game released for the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 2, I didn't know about that, the Wii, and the PlayStation Portable. It was released in June 2007 in North America and in October in the PAL region, but only for the Wii in the PAL region. Uh, A sequel, The Bigs 2, was released on July 7th, 2009, so about two years later. Uh, these games, specifically the first one, features what we are calling outrageous visuals and intuitive gameplay mechanics, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, focused on stylistic rather than realistic design and gameplay featuring power-ups and turbo. It has also given the base, the game of baseball, a more street feel to it. Um, and I'll say just so, you know, I know we're going to dive into this a little more, um, to give people an idea, it feels like this to me, this game feels like to me, it's not quite like the NFL or NBA streets of the baseball world. I don't think, I mean, if anything, that was probably uh, Slugfest. Um, but this is like if Slugfest and like MLB 2K had a, had a kid, It's it's got arcadey elements, but there are enough realistic elements they sort of ground it. I mean, how would you would you tweak anything I just said? Well, I think you maybe nailed why this game spoke to me so much when it came out. Um, you know, I opened this whole dang thing by going in hard on 2007 Detroit <laughs> Tigers specifics. Yes. This game came out in 2007. Um, and around that time was a bit of a... Um, maturation in my appreciation of sports especially baseball Mm. i think you know growing up i always preferred the hard uh arcade bonkers looney tunes style of sports video games um like super baseball simulator like nba street one of my other kind of all-time favorite games Mm. for the gamecube um but then i started to really enjoy and be invested in real baseball and the real players and stuff like that and i think the bigs like you just said is the perfect combination of some of that arcade style with some of the realism or at least true to life um mythology is the wrong word but that's what i'm going with (laughs) and so i think it was sort of the the bullseye of my my interests at that point okay perfect that's starting to make even more sense. Um, I'll finish up just the table setting by saying that the game features an online play capability for up to four players. On but not most for of, Wii. You say not for Wii? 
Not for the Wii, yeah. if I recall. I think you're. I think you're right. I don't believe there is. I think it would have just been probably the P- PS3 and Xbox uh, games. Maybe the PSP. Uh, uh, oh, yep, yeah, exactly. It says right here, online play not compatible on the Wii. Uh, the last detail is that uh, the St. Louis Cardinals first baseman and uh, my favorite player of all time, Albert Pujols, is on the cover. So at the very least, I knew that when I bought this off eBay for I don't know roughly ten bucks that I could just have a nice image of that uh, Pujolsian mighty swing right there. <laughs> um, which, this is funny, you know, that this game uh, came out in the year 2007, you know, just fresh off several months before was when our two favorite teams faced off in the Fall Classic. So only fitting that the two of us uh, are here today to discuss this game. Um I would love to uh, get into first, Greg, how you discovered this game, if you remember. Um, and I also want to give you um, extra leeway to like, if you want to elaborate on any of the, you were talking about your baseball fandom at the time and maturation, if there's any details you want to include, you've got permission. Um, but yeah, how'd you discover this game? Man, I feel like at the time, the blockbuster sort of, walking distance just far enough that you kind of like worked up a bit of a a workout to walk there totally i feel like it was still open and i was still renting video games from that checks out for me and i feel like it was probably maybe i had heard about the bigs in Mm -hmm. some game informer style magazine i was reading at a friend's house or something like that but often at that time there was a lot less effort or intention with checking out games it was a lot more for me anyway strolling down the aisle at blockbuster and kind of being like this looks interesting um so i'm pretty sure my first experience with the game was a rental oh cool and i would have been in my basement uh just outside of detroit michigan my cold 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 basement which is very (laughs) nice for the humid humid summer and the Wii controls, I remember vividly, this was kind of one of the first, still maybe among the only games where like the waggle motion controls I had so much fun with. Um, yes. Swinging felt really good. Running the bases, you absurdly like nunchuck and Wiimote up and down like you're doing the monkey. Um, <laughs> I like strained and soared up my wrists doing that i had so much dang fun and i kind of knew i immediately had to buy it yeah okay awesome so it wow the the like i don't know if it's rare for people but the sort of the i i guess it's like a company or like a games ideal is like even if people rent us they're gonna want to buy this sucker i think so i think that's how i would approach renting a game yeah um yeah, do you? Uh, I kind of wish we still sort of had a system like that. I think it'd be nice. There, it seems like the most that we have that's accessible currently, and I could totally just not be aware of a service or something that does this. I don't know, maybe Redbox still rents games, but yeah, for the most part, now it's like do you got to hope for a demo or yeah. Or, like, borrow a hard copy of a game for a friend, pretty much. Yeah, it feels like the game industry has really shifted into 
you're just gonna buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of are. And I like, and I think that is an exact quote from the game industry. Exactly <laughs> how you said it. You're just gonna buy it. You're just gonna are. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to that, which is funny because I still would say that like I've got whether it's um uh optimistic or not optimistic uh hopeful I believe in the like rental slash demo like idea or what the spirit of that is because I as recently as Pikmin Four coming out was like hey I think I want to play it but let me play the demo. Yeah. The demo was a blast. I bought the game the day it came out. Yep. Like, and maybe I am one of the, f- maybe I am in a small percentage of people who would be willing to do that, but um, I think it's possible. No, that's exactly how I wish every game functioned. I'm, yeah. I'm such a huge demo fan. I think I did that with the newest Kirby game. Oh, cool. The, what, what was it called? In the Lost Kingdom? The Kingdom uh, Forgotten Land? Forgotten Land. Yes. Um, they released a demo for that, and I just heart, head over heels fell in love with it, and I bought it immediately. Um, and that game's I, amazing. It is really amazing. It's really fun. You know, there's also, I, I suppose there's been instances where, like, the PlayStation Plus store will offer either a demo or a trial of a game, and I will play it for however long it lets me, and I go, that scratched the itch. Yes, I yes. <laughs> need to experience this fully. But I think especially for either single-player um, kind of story-driven games or arcade games that are just that addictive and kind of surprisingly deep, I think that system definitely helps more than it hurts. Definitely. Um, you do bring up a good point, though. There's been times where I've tried a game and been like, well, now I know that it's not for me. Uh, so, yeah, a lot to a lot to unpack there. Um, do you remember, uh, and I know we're, we're doing a little bit of the history part for you, less of the, the game itself, but do you, as far as you know, was it just like you sort of vaguely remember like, oh, then I bought it and then just had the game after that point? Or does it stand out more vividly for you? Well, I think at the time I would have had to save up money in some way Um, because I was like a junior in high school. So I was probably working some odd jobs or chores here and there. And I feel like I would have had to have gotten it from the Best Buy in Madison Heights, Michigan, which I still go to when I visit back home. Awesome. Um, So again, there definitely was a sort of... I guess it's kind of like the bigs is the perfect combination between arcade style and realism. Mm-hmm. My experience with owning a game back then was kind of the combination between casual, why the heck not, renting it from someplace, and okay, now I really, really have to work at like getting enough money to go get this game that I want and I have to really make it worth my while by playing the absolute heck out of it. Yes. Which is another, you know, these days, not to be like old man yells at cloud about it, but (laughs) these days people give you like every single game ever made at your fingertips if you subscribe to a PlayStation Plus or what have you. And I find myself kind of not playing anything as a result of it often Mm -hmm. 
there's just a lot more I think I will always be the kind of I'm obsessed with one thing at a time video gamer. I totally. just think there's more like ownership and sort of personal affects to that. Yeah. I can I can relate to that too and I can especially relate to like I think I think I I always forget but we're like just about the same age cuz I would have been a junior at the time too. Um or maybe sophomore turning into a junior uh i said that like i'm evolving into a new pokemon and maybe that's what it's like uh but um i that time for me and i'd be curious if you can relate to this it was like the first time that since i had really got into gaming that i was way more casual about gaming and i think it you know comes at a time in your life where you're maybe starting to have the first bit of like autonomy and choice in your life to fill time with the things you would like to that you're going to make a priority and for me while I was still definitely playing games like games weren't the priority so like yes I hit Guitar Hero 3 and I played the bejesus out of that game I also I also would still be there for like the Zelda or the Mario that came out but (laughs) everything else was like it would have to just like hit me at the right time or a friend would have to introduce me to something because I also wasn't a wasn't seeking it out and B like you were saying you had to or at least we did uh you had to come up with the dough for the for these games you know yeah I I think at that time I was realizing the more specific passions and, and, and things that maybe fulfilled me rather than, you know, were agreeable ways to spend time, let's mm. say. You know, for me, I think that was probably when I was really getting into, like, being a, a pretentious cinephile. Yeah, And, like, going to the art theater and sort of... I remember it was a huge deal for Christmas. My parents got me... Um, a Netflix DVD subscription around that time. Whoa. So I was like renting all of these weird, like gnarly genre films from overseas and all of this kind of nutso butso stuff. <laughs> um, but video games for my friend group at that time, and to this day, we still sort of play games over the internet. We try to once a week. Um, that was one of our base sort of realities for hanging out cool we would always go and hang out in someone's basement and for like you know four to six hours at a time just kind of jam video games into our eyeballs so there was there is now a lot of nostalgia and happiness thinking about that time um and maybe even around the present tense when i was that age and I was still sort of playing video games like nonstop. It was more in pockets. And while I was doing it, I was feeling nostalgic for it simultaneously hmm. because maybe I knew like this, this is changing. Yes. Yeah. My relationship to this is changing and it's for the better. But like, this is also really fun and very simple. It's like your final week of high school where it's like over, but you're in it sort mm-hmm. of thing. You can feel the winds of change. Uh, you've really stumbled onto something, uh, just something interesting. And I don't think a topic we've maybe talked about as much uh, or just like a general, this general idea of, of 
yeah, that like almost present nostalgia, maybe we'll call it. Uh, yeah. But gosh, that's that's really fun. Um, did you play this game, The Bigs itself? Was it like a solo game? Was it a group game? I'm curious to hear. Well, that's the other thing about maybe the the changing winds of this video game period in my life. My friends did not necessarily share an affinity for real sports, let's say. Mm -hmm. So we played Mario Baseball all the dang time and other kind of goofy sports, you know, Mario Kart, Mario Golf, all of those goofy sports games. Um, Mario Strikers was a huge one for us. But I feel like they weren't, like maybe we played it on the Wii a little bit just for the novelty of playing it with the the controls. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of a mutual realization that it wasn't necessarily for them. Sure. So it turned into mostly a solo experience for me where I would kind of take a team through a series or whatever it is. And there was a lot of like watching the real life tigers on screen. Mm. And then I would just kind of get so jazzed up and excited by it that i was like well i just gotta play it myself now yes oh that's a that's something that like has come up a lot with the with the baseball games that i mean in general just baseball games which is part of the reason why i do this series or i've done it three out of the last four years is that i can relate to that so much of being such a huge baseball fan and like i can't get enough so i've got to go have my own season and my own Mm. stuff going on sometimes with the teams that I'm rooting for yep. on screen, um, so I that that makes so much sense, and that's 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 kind of how I would say the majority of my experience has been playing baseball games, but sometimes they've been shared. Um, I I would love to know. Let's I want to let's talk about the game, but if stuff from like your past comes up and like any experiences you remember with it, I would love to hear. Um, first of all, I'm um. I, for some reason, didn't expect you to have played the Wii version, which is the version I've played, as you can see from the the case behind me. Uh, And I'll say, when I got this game off of eBay three weeks ago and I popped it in, I had immediate regret. I was like, oh no, (laughs) I think I should have bought the 360 or the PS3 version because I don't know how this works. Yeah. Uh, did you experience any of that from what you can remember? I know it's kind of far back. No, I almost said the opposite experience. Oh, cool. I watched some kind of just, uh, uh, not Let's Plays, but just people playing online, the Wii version specifically. Yes. And they sort of show on the screen on the interface like fastball, ZR, and downward motion yes. or whatever it is. And it instantly came back to me. Oh, nice. How to do that, the curves. Yeah. Even how to bat. And I remembered like you hold down maybe the the, the B button on the back to do a power swing. Something like that, yeah. And you can sort of like position where you're going to swing with Mm -hmm. the nunchuck control stick. It like really, even though I wasn't playing it, watching these people, I felt my arms and hands kind of (laughs) tingle with that familiar and sort of welcome strain and pain um yeah it, it it that is you know for all of the flaws the system had that is kind of a beautiful thing that the Wii does have going for it when you think about it is that i think it's easier to make core memories when it's tracked to something physical not just sitting there hitting stuff 
I think because I had to do all of this stuff and because it kind of hurt to do it, <laughs> it's always going to be in there. Yes. I, and you know, I'll say eventually I got the hang of the controls, but I will say like when I was first starting off just doing like a pitching tutorial, I was mm-hmm. like, I think I'm doing this. And then I eventually <laughs> sort of discovered what I was doing wrong for, and I, I can spell it out specifically. Um, yeah, let's say you're throwing a fastball, which I believe usually for a pitcher, just a straight fastball, is um, use the A button mm-hmm. after you, when you swing. So you lift your arm up like as if you're a pitcher, like lifting their arm up to throw. And what you're supposed to do is then press the button you want and fling your wrist down in a downward motion. And you uh, want it to to line up with sort of the power bar. Yes. And if you if you hit it exactly, it's like a perfect pitch. Bingo. There's like a like a meter that you're trying to get that starts activating after you've lifted your wrist up. Uh and this is probably the only like fine, fine detail of controls at all. Well, as far as like the motion that I'll talk about, because I think it was the it was the biggest hurdle for me. I was I thought it meant that you hold down A, then lift up, then fling down. And the whole thing was the trick was you don't press any buttons on the fling up. You just lift your wrist mm. and then you press a button or not or B. And then I got the hang of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was having a blast mm-hmm. after that. Once I knew how to do it, um, it's sort of in the pitching too, you can throw, there's a number of different pitches. But to your point, Greg, the like physical, uh, the physicality of this game, I think will stick with me longer because it's way more specific than even like, Mario baseball on the Wii. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of like the, the turns you have to do with some pitches yep. with your wrist and it, we could have genuinely had a Zol, a Zol Jemaya, a Joel Zamaya situation on our hands. Cause you are moving all around. I don't know if you remember it too much, but no, I remember vividly hearing you talk about it. The, the curves, like you'd have to sometimes whip your wrist down in a sort of quarter circle turn or whatever yeah. it is. And I spent so much time trying to perfect the timing of how much of a quarter circle whip do I need to do for it to the ending of the motion, quote unquote, to line up with the power bar I'm supposed to hit. Yes. And I remember sort of realizing, oh, it doesn't exactly one to one intuitive line up where I think it should. So I need to do it like a little earlier or something like that. Yeah. And every time I hit it, I would like hoot and holler in celebration. It feels good to throw one of those like perfect pitches where it hums whether you're throwing yeah. like a fastball a slider you're like nasty splitter uh it's a big deal because i f- like i felt like i even though i got the hang of it i wasn't doing that every time because i mm-hmm. i just never got the the like i didn't master the feeling of of that timing with the pitch meter that you're talking about but for something that first began for me as like cumbersome and i and frustrating and to the point where i'm like gosh i love the Wii, but i don't want i don't (laughs) this is too much it ended up really winning me over which i Mm -hmm. i i didn't expect that uh when i first booted up the first two times yeah i feel like even you know these days when a switch game offers motion controls or whatever, my immediate knee jerk is, "Ah, get that out of here!" Yeah, I'm over that. <laughs> but then you know, kind of rediving back into this world, um, there is something, and Nintendo is so dang good at this. There's something very intuitive and childlike 
that sort of produces this feeling of wonder of like, oh my God, I did it. Yes. And I compare it to, you know, once a year, I I convince myself, okay, this is the year that I'm going to get and enjoy MLB the show. <laughs> and then I try a demo and I'm like, I give up. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, it's too much, it's too real. Same with NBA 2K, frankly. Mm-hmm. It's, there's just some there's some kind of barrier to it. I don't care that it's technically more real or yeah. mature. I just kind of want to like, I don't know, kind of doubling back to realizing how you like to spend your time. Mm-hmm. You know, time is so, uh, by definition, fleeting. If I'm going to spend my leisure time with a video game, I kind of want to get it really quickly. Yeah. And my sort of barrier of entry is is becoming, or my tolerance of patience for surmounting a barrier of entry is becoming lower and lower. And just watching this Biggs gameplay again made me go, oh my God, I could play this right now. Yes. And that is such an underrated sensation to chase after, I think. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I have to give the game credit, like... Again, like I know I've been sort of harping on this point, but like I went from, yeah, not enjoying it, being confused, and then really actually being impressed by the amount of detail for being an arcade style baseball game. I really, and the controls, I'll say for someone coming into this, I, I've, they are not uh, like not every bit of the controls, depending on if you're running, hitting, pitching, they're not a one-to-one from what you might expect for most arcade baseball games. Like, running is very wacky. You sort of, like... It's very wacky. I think you press, like, the... There's a few ways you can even run, too. Um, From, like, pressing the little D-pad on the the Wiimote to... Then you... Then I think that might pick the runner and then you point to the base you want them to go with the joystick. Or I might be switching those, but running, I... I still never like fully got the hang of, but I, I at least could do it. Um, so you could actually take extra bases or score when stuff was happening. But they, yeah, they even introduced, like you were talking about the waggle of like simulating, like you kind of running, um, like moving your arms up and down. Um, yeah. What? So I will say once like I got that out of the way and the gameplay was not the hurdle anymore, Boy, did I just grow to really like this game. I've got some stuff I want to talk about um, from my, you know, couple weeks experience. But what do you remember about your experience? Were you playing with the Tigers back then? Did you do this like rookie mode where you created a character? Walk me back. Yeah, I did do the rookie mode where I created a character. And I did have him play for the Tigers. Yes. Um, I believe he was a shortstop. Now we're talking. Um, What's that? I said, now we're talking. Now we're talking, baby. <laughs> um, I feel like, and I do this to this day, whenever I have the opportunity to create a character, I kind of make them look like a cartoonishly exaggerated version of me. Love it. <laughs> and then I give them a, a, a dumb, modified version of my name. Yes. So like Grimples or Little Grungus or something like that. <laughs> I don't exactly remember the name I gave my rookie, but yeah. it was somewhere in that world. And I remember feeling very 
proud, the more I would like raise his stats up. Oh yes, it's awesome. And if I recall correctly, I wanted to make him a speed demon. Mm. And so I waggle runned like Fred Flintstone's feet. <laughs> Goodness, in the the summer of two thousand and seven, I must have burned nine bazillion calories from my wrist movements alone, <laughs> waggling little Grungus to steal second. And I remember vividly like. I would hit, I would make like a connection, a Mm -hmm. contact hit. It would be a traditional grounder. The third baseman picks it up. For any baseball player in the world, they would just immediately jog. Everyone knows it's an out. And I would just rush my dang wrists. And sometimes I would like steal a base. Yes. First base that way. Where I'm like, I know I shouldn't have gotten that. But goodness, did it feel good. I love that. Uh, you had brought up, like, A, the first thing I want to say is that I created a character in a very similar way for this game. I think it was, like, the arcade nature of it that spoke to me because in – I played many, like, sort of more simulation-style baseball games where I've tried to – like, we just did an episode – on NCAA Baseball 2006, well, which wow. was like a part of the MVP series. Yeah, I remember that. It was the first college baseball game they ever did, and I created myself, uh, and I, I tried to make myself like as close, because I do play baseball currently, yeah. so I was trying to create myself like as one-to-one as I could. But for this game, I was like, oh no, this guy is, this is Con McBig. And... <laughs> I made, I still had myself have like an average sort of size like I do, but I did make them a little buffer and a little like, there's not, a, okay, the customization in this game is is very minimal, but I don't need it to be extensive. Uh, but it was so much fun to do that. And this rookie mode too ended up being like the most fun I had with, because you, like we, we, I don't think we've said explicitly, which, you know, if you've played the game, you know. Um, you essentially create a rookie, put them on a team, and you're, it's like their, their show. Uh, you, you follow them and they're, and they're, but you're still playing as the full team. Yep. Um, you're, there's just challenges and you can improve your rookie stats, uh, which isn't something you can do with other players. And I, I found myself, well, A, I wanted to tell you, I put myself on the Oakland A's, um, who I've always had an affinity for, and I still am just so... I don't know if it's official that they're moving, but it feels pretty it feels much bad. Yeah, yeah, which which really sucks. Um, what's happened to that franchise in the city of Oakland? But uh, I put myself on the A's because they're just they're decent in that game. They're not that good, and uh, I love it because when you're playing this mode, the announcer Damon Bruce, which is he's like a baseball announcer from the time. He, they always focus on the rookie and they like really give you a big cinematic moment. Uh, I don't know if you remember any of those details, but they really focus in on your character. I do remember that. And I feel, can you refresh my memory? Like, because if you give yourself a name that is particularly weird, that they don't have sort of pre recorded, like if the announcer. Recorded the 50 most common names or whatever. Yeah. How do they get around that? Do they just keep calling you the rookie or? In my case, yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. They didn't have like, um, obviously there's no Mick Big, but I wonder if I would have been like Jones or even Smith, uh, like if they would have had that like stock name possibly. Yeah, I don't exactly remember, but I do remember those cinematic 
pops. Yes. And I especially found it funny because I feel like my character's face looked silly. Yes. And so Uh every time it would just (laughs) zoom the heck in on my dumb little shortstop, it just really got me. Yes. And I don't, I would doubt that they, because I felt the same way about my character, my big goofus that I made. But I don't, and I'm sure they didn't intend for it to be, they probably intended for it to be more epic than goofy, but I loved how it worked out. Uh, I found myself too, which is like how, this is like what I would do playing wiffle ball in the front yard with my best friend growing up. Like when my character would come up in a big moment, I do everything in my power to like make him succeed. So one element of this game is as you're playing through a like a match, a game against another team, the better you do, whether you're getting strikeouts, outs, base hits, scoring, you have a meter that builds up. Um, Gosh, I I need to have it off the top of my head. I don't remember the exact name. I might be able to find it. But once this this meter uh, fully builds, you can basically hit like a guaranteed home run where your player hits like a missile that goes through like a part of the stadium and breaks some glass. So... You better believe I saved that for moments where either we had a couple runners on base, or, but almost always when Cons McBig would come up yeah. to that. He's got to get his stats up. That's just good money ball, you know? Yep. That's the way it goes. Um, yeah. I, I watched one of those recently in, uh-huh. in those Let's Plays, and it like does that 80s action movie thing where it shows the same action rapid fire from three different angles. Yes. Whack, whack. <laughs> and then the one I saw, it just zeroed in on the home run pole. Ba-ding! Oh, really? <laughs> and it is just so, you know, you talked about, is it epic or is it goofy? And I feel like in that era, maybe as far back as like the mid 90s, maybe even like with Mortal Kombat 1, epicness and goofiness were sort of the same or like people didn't care if it was so outrageous and so quote unquote badass or epic or whatever that it turned the corner into goofy. And when I compare that to something in the same genre like the show or out of genre like the new Call of Duties, which I do still enjoy quite a bit, you can just tell they have greeted it and grounded it to a morose degree Mm. at times where it's like you're playing a beige you're almost playing a version of the world that is less interesting than the actual world itself yeah it almost feels cynical and i feel like games like the bigs and like nintendo's general purview remind you that there is a lot of dang beauty and wonder and the small things of life we're just kind of turning them up a little bit and showing you you know yes uh and like i think to what you said like this ended up being a great fit on the wii and for nintendo if if, as much as we've talked about this came out on other platforms but like i feel like i mean i'd be curious to hear from someone who played this on you know with a regular controller like did they have as much fun was it as interesting or not i i don't know if you had anything to say about that Um, I also watched, you know, I watched Wii gameplay and then I also watched someone play it on either PS3 or PS2. Oh, gotcha. And so it showed, um, you know, when it shows the pitches, it shows the controls you have to do to do it. And it showed like 
X downward motion, circle upward motion, and I thought that is inherently less fun. Yeah. I suppose you have more control over that, and it feels more like a traditional video game experience, and for some folks, that's what they want. For other video games, that's what I would want, but for this particular slice of controlled chaos or or fun realism or whatever kind of Venn diagram intersection the Bigs lives in, I just think you want to have that level of whimsy inherent in how you play it yeah uh which again i don't think i would have thought this before but in my personal opinion it ends up being a big strength uh yeah of this game um yeah i i ended up um playing a few games into the season that i started and there are some really fun like the way that the game is laid out is you there everything is pitted as like a challenge in the rookie mode i keep referring to because that rookie challenge is the most time that I spent with the game was in that mode. Uh, it was kind of addicting because you just want to continue your player's little meta story that you might have in your head. Uh, but that was that was pretty much it. I think it's something that I'll go back to and play for fun every so often. Um, but is there anything else, Greg, about the game itself that you wanted to speak to, whether it was like the gameplay, something you might remember from your experience. I just wanted to open it up to you uh, before we sort of wrap. Yeah, I'll just, I remember vividly, you know, I don't know about you, but my experience with video games tended to be, you know, like I said earlier, I would go to the basement of my suburban Detroit home and it tended to be a either solitary, <clears throat> either a solitary or a me and my friends kind of experience. Yeah. My parents kind of um not wrote it off, but they were just sort of like, Yeah, Greg's doing whatever it is he's doing. <laughs> They're laughing, so we're happy. Yeah. And I rem but I remember kind of vividly, I was playing the bigs and my Dad came downstairs, I think, to do laundry, and he came in, and he was like, "What is what? What is this about? You're playing a baseball game?" And he was very, <laughs> in that traditional masculine way, sort of interested slash proud or whatever. Yes, he didn't sit down and play with me, but he did do that classic "I'm a dad" interested thing, where he stood and he folded his arms <laughs> and he watched. <laughs> And I think the whimsy and the silliness of the waggling and the hitting and stuff like that maybe was a bit of a barrier of entry for him. But I remember him asking me specific questions about whatever pitch I was trying to throw or whether it was a mm. contact or a power swing. And then, you know, he went back upstairs. It wasn't like a huge moment or anything, but I remember that being a very nice moment of empathy with each other where we're not necessarily he's not gonna go buy a the bigs shirt and, <laughs> and start his own rookie mode or whatever it is and i'm not gonna appreciate baseball in the exact same way that he is but we sort of like saw each other and i i really appreciated the game for allowing that to happen that's wonderful uh not a nice little moment of a uh, brief moment of connection in that basement uh that's great uh, I think the last thing for me was just I th I don't have anything poignant to share. I just have a couple of details that I, I forgot 
that I wanted to share about the game. And one was that when it came to pitching, I love, I love pitching in a baseball game, uh, as a, as a pitcher, it's fun to like, see how well does like a plan translate in my head to the game itself. I will say for this game, like it, like a lot of baseball games, the pitching ended up being a lot of fun. Um, and I'll, I will say that while I'm maybe my strategies were effective, I found that if I could just nail those perfect pitches, it really didn't matter because they were just nasty and hard to hit. Um, and on the other end of this, uh, of the like, I guess the side of the coin is that uh, something I found fun is when I really got the hang of the hitting and we were just pounding another team. If you, you could like hit another pitcher so well that they would lose pitches as they pitched. Yeah. Do you remember this element of I this do, game? I do, yep. Yeah. It was really fun. So you kind of were rewarded extra for hitting a pitcher well to where their options became limited. So I remember I was facing like, played a game against the Yankees where we were just mashing Andy Pettit and his fastball was gone. His slider was gone. <laughs> so all he had was like a, I want to say a changeup and a curveball. So I was like, okay, I can just look off speed and this isn't going to be quick. So then it, it was just a fun little element of the game that like that they introduced just a nice wrinkle. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much our chat about the bigs before we go. I do have, I don't always have these for the call me by your ball game episodes, but I have one fun fact I want to share with you. Yes, we're diving in to the fact me by your game segment where I share a fun fact about my game or the game that we've brought on with our guest today. Uh, this is really brief, but I have this fact titled, doesn't Canada have enough? So when this game was released, uh, there was actually a limited edition Canadian version exclusively sold by uh, something called Future Shop and Best Buy. Uh, in the game, Minnesota Twins first baseman and former MVP Justin Morneau was featured on the cover of the game, uh, which I did see a couple of these copies on eBay, actually. Mm. And I remember wondering if it was because there was a second The Bigs that came out like we talked about mm -hmm. in 2009. Um, I'm sure you're semi-familiar with Justin Morneau being an AL Central uh, uh, foe. Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. Um, that's really it. They released an alternate Canadian uh, cover of the game with, with, with Justin Morneau, who is, as you could guess, Canadian. It's interesting they didn't pick. Like a maple leaf or, or not a maple leaf, goodness, a blue jay. Yeah. Uh, that I'm just thinking about that now, but I guess they're like, well, I guess we'll pick someone that's actually Canadian born. Um, yeah, that's really all I had to say about that. Anything to add, Greg? No, I had no idea that existed. Being from Detroit, I would go to Canada sort of often. Oh, really? And I had family that lived in Windsor. Um, and I often watched sports games in Canada with my Canadian fam, but yeah, they never, they never mentioned the Monroe edition trying to do my Canadian accent. Oh, the they should have. Justin Morneau. I just tried to do it, and it was almost Irish, so I guess I won't try. Uh, yeah, mine felt liverpudlian a little bit. <laughs> and I loved it. Uh, well, that'll do it for the Fact Me By Your Game segment, and that will bring us to the end of the show. So before we go and plug whatever we want on our way out as the sun sets on the 2023 Call Me By Your Ball Game series, uh, thanks again for joining me, Greg. This was so much fun to get a chance to connect with you again and have you on the show and just hear from you about this game. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Of course. Uh, I know we plugged a little bit up top, but where do you want the listener to find you? What do you want to share uh, with people today? Yeah, you can find me at Smith L. Greg on all the ding social medias. Um, yeah, and if you're in L.A., come out to the UCB Theater with third Wednesday every month for some fun sketch comedy. Um, I don't know. Be good to each other. Yeah. Can I plug the concept of altruism? Is I, that fine? Hey, go for it, pal. You're the guest. <laughs> yeah, I'll just plug sort of like um, <laughs> being in the moment, you know what I mean? Mm. And sort of like uh, uh, taking things one step at a time and sort of meditation and uh, uh, just anything that makes me seem like the best guest, sort of the most enlightened guest. Yeah. So That's what I want to plug. Whatever gets you there to seeing Greg in that light, we're going to go ahead and say do it. Yeah. Uh, also, just so that they, you know, if someone is in the LA area looking to come see your your mod team, what name should they look for? We're called Lasers. Love it. Just like the shots that you hit in this game. With That's right, baby. the likes of Brandon Inge or Placido Polanco, uh, Maglio Ordonez. I, I remember a lot of that Tigers team, so I could probably Maglio Ordonez, uh, a little Cabrera. I think he was still on the team wow. even then. Yep. Um, I'm sure you could pitch with Justin Verlander. There Pudge was, Rodriguez. Is Cameron Maben on that team, or is that later? It's not ringing a bell. Okay. Anyway, Greg, thank you for joining me here, uh, and I'll put all those links in the show notes. And I'll go ahead and just yeah, close put, it. Put the link for uh, enlightenment in the show notes. Yeah, uh, to, to, to uh, dictionary.com. Uh, mm. Great. Well, I'll go ahead and just close us out with some plugs of my own. The cover art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him and his great work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. This show is edited, produced, and the music that you heard at the top is done by Jeremy Schmidt. If you want to give him a little tip of the cap, a thank you for the work he puts into this podcast, you should check out his show, Video Games, a Comedy Show. Fellow mod writer, Jeremy Schmidt. Fellow mod writer of Love Seat. Uh, we got mod up all up on this podcast. Um, you can find me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe on Twitter and Instagram. I'm just at Connor McCabe on Blue Sky if you're on there. I stream on Twitch quite inconsistently, and I'm in one of those periods where I haven't streamed in over a month. But if you want to follow me there, you can at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. And lastly, folks, like I told you, if you like me and the conversations I have with people on this show about video games, you're going to love what you find over on Patreon at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, uh, where if you support us at the uh, $10 DJ Toad tier, which is where over 95% of our patrons are at, you get three bonus podcasts per week. That includes the Games Club that I talked to you about uh, that's on every Friday and a version of this show where I have people on uh, to discuss a game in a more of a panel style, the co-op series, uh, which Greg was on for Super Mega Baseball 3 many moons ago. Um, uh, if you're listening to this, there's already an episode about Super Monkey Ball 2 that came out the previous week. Have you, oh, you know, I love those games. We just played through them, uh, through number two, almost although we didn't quite beat it. It gets extremely hard, but boy, it's a fun arcade experience yeah. on the cube too. On the cube. It's great. Um, the listener could see what we were, what, what you were, you were, uh, uh, putting up there. Um, 
But yeah, coming for the month of October, we're going to be doing an episode on the game Firewatch. So if you're a Game Pass subscriber, it is free for you if you want to play along. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, you can hear that episode. Um, Those are monthly. Again, you know where to find us. That'll do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game and the Call Me By Your Ball Game series for 2023. We will see you on the next one.